Welcome to Chasing Hermes, the pursuit of Mercury, with your hosts, Sean and Jason. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Jason. How are you, Sean? I'm good. Jason, how are you? Very good. Excellent. Very good. good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I have to take a sip from my uh, glass of water here. Do you uh, Do you have a sure. beverage where you're at? Uh, I do have a beverage, actually. I'm uh, sitting in front of my blueberry smoothie. A blueberry smoothie. That's wonderful. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. Are you sipping on it? Um, I was sipping on it, and yeah. now it's been Were you, sipped. though? Were you really? Um... I think I was. Can can you be sure? Only as sure as I believe I am. Sounds excellent. Well, <laughs> I mean, how can you really be sure? How can you be sure that you're really having this experience of sipping on this smoothie? Well, I think at some level I'm just going to have to uh, trust my senses and and believe that my senses are somehow representational of what's out there. Right, but it's an assumption that you make, right? It's 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 a valid assumption. I think it's an sure. assumption that you sort of have to make, and and unless you, for some reason, question it, um, you 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 will go through your entire life never questioning your senses. Sure. Hmm. But it wasn't always like that, you know. In the really? in the old days, yeah, in the old days of of Greece, for example, you know, they uh, they were very much questioning what what was going on. Oh right. And very early on, you know, they made the realization that. If there is an exterior world out there, which mm-hmm. is a fair assumption, again, we can't prove it, but it's a reasonable assumption to make, um, then the only way that we can truly experience this uh, exterior reality is through our senses. Yeah, that makes and, sense. Uh, it does make sense. It literally makes sense. And um, they sort of imagined your true self, the, who you truly are, as, as sort of stuck within a bubble. And, uh, and, and I think... We can identify with that in the sense that you, if you if you strip down all of your experiences, if you st- if, mm-hmm. you, if you if you put imagine you put yourself into a, a sensory deprivation tank, you know what that is? Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, lo- I'd love to try you, it. Yeah, it's where you submerge yourself in uh, in a, a liquid, a saline solution that is the same temperature as your body. It's perfectly right. dark, perfectly quiet, so it shuts off all of your uh, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic senses. Yeah, yeah, and yet. You still experience yourself, right? right? Yeah, you have. You're forced to turn inward, right? Exactly. So, so even if you stripped away everything around you, every, all the all the sensory inputs, you still be you. In this sense, you're you're kind of you as 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 a as a human being, as a as a, as a spiritual being, is sort of trapped within the confines of your senses, and around these senses is exterior world. But even when we're right. looking at something, when I'm when I'm looking at at something blue right here, for example, you know. The the blueness of this of this object is a, a completely a product of my mind. Sure, sure. So what you're saying is is that because we can take away our visual input, we can take away our auditory input and our kinesthetic feeling input, and there's something that still remains that we can't define ourselves merely by our senses, that there must be something more. Is that what you're trying to get at? Right, right. And, um, and um, it's, it, it leads into this whole idea that the Greeks would have called the macrocosm and the microcosm. Have you heard of that? 
Oh yeah, right. The macrocosm, the the big world or the outer world, and microcosm, the the little world or internal world. Exactly, and and they were they were defined as far back as as the dialogues of Socrates, and he imagined the the macrocosm, the the exterior world around us, as as this this world where 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 perfect harmony existed, and and the microcosm or the interior world, the little world, um, he was was by definition imperfect, and mm. uh, in the macrocosm. Everything you see around you, they imagined to be made up of these four elements, water, air, fire, and earth. Mm -hmm. And so by, by definition, the interior world will be made up of the same elements. Uh, not only our bodies, but also our, our, our interior self would be made up of the same, the same elements. So we're saying that the internal world then is a reflection of the external world. That's the assumption that they made exactly. I that see. there is a there is an inherent relationship between the macrocosm and the microcosm. Mm -hmm. But there is a difference, though. Like I said, the uh, the the macrocosm was considered to be perfect, and all the elements that you see were considered pure, whereas internally the elements were considered to be impure and all mixed up. Mm. So it's it's very difficult for us. Um, in our natural state, to experience our own internal water, for example, purity. Sure. In the right. microcosm, in the in the in the in the in the in the human body, if you will, there all the different elements are held together in their impure state by a fifth element, the the quintessence, ah, right? yes, the, the soul, if you will. Sure. And um, as we saw, there is a relationship between the interior and the exterior world, and so. It was postulated that there was a, a world soul that would hold the universe together as well. Oh, now, I see. Uh, this this was before the Greeks um, adopted any kind of monotheism, so it's it will probably be wrong to call it God in the Judeo-Christian sense, mm -hmm. but but it would be it would be the world spirit, if you will. Sure, and you know this relates, I believe, to uh, one of the the major tenets of the Western mysteries, the the art of theurgy or becoming divine-like, and that is where we attempt to purify our impure microcosm so that it is a better reflection of that outer, more perfect balance between the one source and the macrocosmic uh, external perfect elements. Right, exactly. And, and you'll see the same sort of idea in, in, in many kinds of uh, philosophies. And um, one, one of the most important ones for, for you and me is the Hermetic philosophy. Certainly. Um, in, in Hermetic philosophy, because it grew out of of, of Greek philosophy, there also we, we, we see that nature is in the image of man and man is in the image of nature. So there's an inherent relationship between the two. Mm -hmm. And um, here's where the, the famous axiom, as above, so below, comes in. Ah, oh, yes, from the Emerald Tablet of Hermes. That's right. I mean, many of our listeners will be familiar with this. I guess a more, um, a, a longer version of, of that would be the things that are above are in relation to the things that are below and vice versa. So similarly, the things that are without are a reflection or in relation to the things that are within. That's right. And because they, they imagined 
the world as being sort of a layer cake, whereas mm-hmm. we're at the very bottom. You know, we're the sponge cake at the bottom, and then there's then there's a layer of jam, and then there's a layer of cream, etc. Mm, that sounds that, tasty. That, it does sound tasty. I, I, <laughs> I, I just wanted to make it presentable. I just want to you. eat the world. I know, I know, me too, <laughs> me too. Um, and uh, if you continue to imagine that layer cake, then uh, at the very top you'll have the creator. He'll be sort of the cherry on top of this this cake. <laughs> oh yes. Um, and um, you'd have then continuous emanations of of divine goodness, if you will, mm-hmm. flowing all the way down uh, seamlessly, all the way down to to uh, the physical world as we have here. And and just just like that, we would also interiorly, in, internally, mm-hmm. be built up. In as as sort of a layer cake, with the physical body being the the foundation, if you will. Sure, where the and top, all the top layers then are disseminating themselves uh, through the lower layers. Right, and so as above, so below becomes this this sort of fundamental axiom, almost of of all kinds of of spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you could hardly you could hardly practice any kind of of, of magic or any kind of of Wicca, if you like, without subscribing to this idea in some way or another. Yeah, and you know this gets at the very core of uh, of the Western mysteries of hermeticism in general, where you know ultimately mankind, uh, the human person, has an internal desire to know thyself. Right, the old Oracle Adelphi uh, quote. You know, know thyself right. was always the quest of of man and it still is to this day um you know today we we've we've externalized this quest and we we want to know about the world we want to know about the universe we want to know about atoms and galaxies and stars and planets but ultimately uh to the hermeticist or at least to to the hermeticist in general the real quest is to know our own nature to come to understand what is it to be a human, what does this mean in relationship to our creator or the source of the universe? And the idea and the question becomes, okay, why would a person study these outdated philosophies such as astrology and magic and mysticism? And the idea is it comes from an internal belief that by studying the external world, by coming to know about the world outside of us, we can come to know more about the world inside of us and thereby coming to know who we truly are in this great cosmic soup. And that becomes the quest of, of the hermeticist as well as outlines the importance of you know this, this one statement, one of many, from the Emerald Tablet that the things that are above are a reflection of the things that are within. Right, and and I think maybe if you look at it um, from the angle that you just talked about, then the idea of the micro and the macrocosm is more than an expression of the relationship between the interior and the exterior. It's almost like a poetic, graphical image of the human condition, and yes. that if you that that ultimately we are alone mm-hmm. in our own little sensory world. Right. We are the only being in an abyss of darkness, if you were. Yes. And as you said, this becomes the 
foundation for a lot of different techniques and different ways of interacting with the universe that would be considered paranormal or occult. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's such a simple thing as as the omens that you find in in, in folklore throughout mm-hmm. the ages, right? right. Uh, you have a bad dream, and somehow this corresponds to something that is going to happen in the exterior world. Right? Yes. That's that's the belief. Um, I mean, you find that in, 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 in the Old Testament already. Mm-hmm. Or somebody sees an interesting cloud formation, then, ooh, you know, that that spells doom and disaster for, for someone. Right. <clears throat> and this seems, you know, almost silly to, to the modern mind because we've been, you know, on a quest to objectify and separate the mind from the matter. And this notion that what occurs in the mind can somehow reflect or provide causation within the world outside of us is, uh, or for a long time in the modern world, has been this, this silly idea because it just seems so obvious that there is no connection there. Uh, however, this is one of the, the great rewards of the power of initiation, the great rewards of studying and practicing hermeticism in the in the Western uh, Western mysteries, is that by building up a worldview that accepts this linkage between our internal states and our external realities, um, we build a model of behavior and expectation upon the world, and the reward is that. One day, uh, God willing, we are provided evidence and we are provided this um, uh, unique experiences that, that, at least on a personal level, proves the interconnectedness between this link of the internal and the external world. And this is something that, um, that is completely outside of the scope of our current modern way of thinking in modern science. Um, but yeah, but is it though? Is it though? Because I think you know, uh, with rationalism, that's that's when when we first tried to kill this idea of of there being some sort of non physical interaction between mm-hmm. the exterior and the interior. But it pops up again and again, and um, there are a lot of people out there who want to make the assumption uh, that with quantum mechanics and and sub particle uh, physics, mm-hmm. you'll find, you, you'll again find this kind of um, uh, almost intentionality of the of the cosmos that that you can somehow by wishing something or by by wanting something strongly enough, it will come to you even without you doing anything actively towards it. I mean, just look at the secret or. Or, or um, what the beliefs do we know? Right. Yeah, you're right. They, they, there is right. this movement um, that you know. Sometimes they may go too far. Sometimes not far enough. But it, it does seem that people are now asking questions. What role does the observer play in the effects and causation of the world outside of us? Yeah, that that that's a good point. And I'm not saying that these that these theories are correct, um, or that they're particularly that their interpretation of science is correct. I think they're actually mostly wrong. But what it does show is that even today, we have this experience. Once you start scratching away at 
your everyday life,、mm-hmm. you'll find you'll find that you can actually affect how things work. You can, and and with our rational brains now, or at least within our rational、uh, heavy society, we want to rationalize these things within a framework that suits science, and、um, and I think it's a testament. To the strength of this experience that some have and some don't. Yeah, and and I do think that it is,、uh, you know, this provides a unique opportunity for us. You know, we begin our hermetic journey、um, with a theory, a philosophy that the external world、uh, somehow relates to the internal world, that our internal states. Somehow, perhaps, could have causation upon those external、uh, realities, and when we experiment with this this theory, with this worldview, then in time we begin to、uh, truly affect the external world, given our own internal perceptions,、uh, mental states,、uh, exertion of willpower, and then again, this just reinforces this worldview, and this is why. You know, as initiates in the Western mysteries,、um, you know what begins as a faith journey in some sense, right? You have to take the this philosophy on faith to begin with, yeah, becomes、absolutely. supported through experience, right? And very self rewarding, right? So, so in your journey, what what have you found to be the linkage that you can use within within magic or within、um, your frame of Mind and your thinking to to affect the universe. What what are what are the things that are the most effective? <clears throat> well, let's look at it in a, a simple terms.、Um, sure. You know, one of the the easiest, perhaps the first ways that you can affect your external world,、um, and and it isn't too hard to believe. We'll we'll start with the、uh, the most believable accounts, and、uh, I'll leave my miraculous accounts、uh, out for now.、Um, Let's take emotional states, right? This would be an internal state. Now, externally, people behave in a certain way, right? Then, and, and there's this idea that the more you play the role of a victim, the more you will become victimized.、Um, have you heard this? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.、So、games people play. Yeah, the games people play. So if I am playing the role of a victim because I'm constantly feeling as though People are trying to oppress me and、uh, exert their will upon me. Then, in my internal states, will reflect my belief about that. Okay, so externally, let's say in the in the macrocosm,、uh, you make fun of me in some way. All right. Now I don't see how that would be possible. Oh no, that could never happen. But let's just、no. say that it did. All right. So you make fun of me or or shove me aside. Now this is just really an external event. That occurred in the world, and in and of itself carries no meaning, right? We have to give it meaning by interpreting it internally. So I perceive this event, and through my own、uh, internal makeup, I assign a meaning to that, right? And that meaning is that somehow、uh, you believe that you are better than me, and then I have to go through this internal dialogue of should I believe this? Right. If it means that he's better than me, then you know, is this something worth believing? And then this can become for many people、um, a self-fulfilling prophecy, where once they 
believe the meanings that they've ascribed to the world, the world then will turn around and provide more validation for that meaning that they've ascribed to the events. So I will turn to the world and I will perceive more and more people trying to victimize me because this is my belief about the world. So your question is, you know, how do you uh, magically apply this principle to change the state of the world? Well, right, because what you've described up until this point sounds a lot like uh, cognitive therapy, for example. Yeah, and, and in, in some ways, you know, the, on the lower levels, the, this magic is very cognitive, uh, you know, very similar to cognitive therapy. But the difference is that rather than just interpreting the events of the world differently, the question is, can I actually make them appear less, right? Can we change the course of events in the world outside of us by changing our internal view of the world? So if, for instance, I do ascribe this meaning that that you are better than me and that I am less than you, then I will, the world will in turn provide more feedback to reinforce this belief internally and I will have more opportunities to become victimized to reinforce my belief that somehow I should play the role of a victim. Now, the magic is, can I reduce these events and have the world behave in accordance to um, you know, a unique respect for my own personal willpower, let's say, uh, by erasing my belief that uh, I should play the role of a victim. All right. So if I can build up my own sense of personal power, then sure. what happens almost magically is that the external world then will reinforce this belief that I am in a state of power um, and these occurrences of um, victimizations will disappear. So what you're saying is that your expectations of the world actually influences the things that you will attract, attract in the exterior universe, and that goes that it goes beyond just your perception of the things that you attract. Exactly. It's not just that. Okay, here I can experience ten people shoving me, and I can either a interpret that as well they just got in my way, or b here's ten occurrences of me being victimized. But it's making the next leap to say, can I actually reduce that 10 to 2 by changing my internal state? So it's not just about interpreting the world, but actually changing the events that will occur in the world. Very cool. Will you teach me how to do that? Um, Oh, sure. We'll we'll get into (laughs) that in another podcast. Wonderful. (laughs) And that is obviously a, a... a, a very mercurial uh, way to explain this. It's very simple. You know, that's one view of the law of attraction. And there are many other principles of this that go way beyond just emotional states and, and inner social relationships. You know, even up to can I, with the power of my mind, move an object across the room? Um, you know, these that would ultimately be the um, the end result if this model really held true, then it must be possible to affect physical matter with the power of the mind. Now, awesome. Yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Uh, now, this isn't just a black or white issue, and there is a scale between just being able to, you know, attract more abundance or love into my life and 
you know, the extreme of, you know, levitating semi-trucks. Well, it's interesting that you use the word mercurial to describe these ideas, mm -hmm. because there, right there in our language, we have an artifact of this mic micro and macrocosm theory, because it was assumed through astrology that mm -hmm. if you were born under the, the influence of a certain planet, you would behave in a cer certain way. Mm. So a person who's mercurial would have a lot of mercury, meaning he would be spirited in the sense of being witty, maybe, and, yes. and, and a sharp thinker. And perhaps over, um, overly intellectual. <laughs> Perhaps overly intellectual. I, I, you know, the the planets have two sides, right? Good yeah. and bad. Yeah. And um, so, a person who's jovial would be born under the influence of uh, Jove or Jupiter, yeah. and uh, that person will be a sort of bumbling, sort of bumble, Dumbledore yeah, person. Yeah, and it's interesting yeah. how this really has, you know, these ideas have made their way into our modern day language. You know, right, people like use this martial language. arts. Yeah, martial arts, Mars, mm -hmm. the art of war, sort of thing, right? Right. Right. And so, can it's, you think of any other ones? Um, well, we say she's very Venusian in her maneuverings, mm. or you might say she has venereal disease. <laughs> you might, but hopefully, you won't. No, I, mean, we, we, I don't kiss and tell. But, uh, uh, but uh, again, I mean, joke, yes. Joking aside, um, the uh, the the whole uh, it, it, it's talking about somebody being Venusian or mm -hmm. or, or, or Venero for that matter, again is expressing this idea of a, of that the position of a planet in the sky mm -hmm. has some effect on your psyche. Certainly, especially the lunatics of the world. Lunatics, perfect. There you go. That was that was not on my list, but thank you. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So I've learned something today. Oh, have you? Excellent. What have you learned? I've learned that there is a world outside and a world inside. and the world, Or so we think. Or so we think. I've learned that perhaps it's possible that there is a hidden connection between these worlds. That perhaps they're not as separate as we once maybe thought or that we usually assume in our day-to-day -day life. And I've learned that if we can come to understand that relationship better, then hopefully it will aid us in our quest of aligning ourselves to that source. Uh, the more perfect balance of the elements outside of me can provide as a great example of the less than perfect balance or imbalance of the world inside of me. And, and you know what, Sean, you give me hope. You've given me hope that if I continue on my path, I will be able to levitate sometimes. <laughs> God willing. Thank you so much. All right. All right. I think that's it for our podcast this week. Excellent. Well, thanks for listening. Join us again next time. Visit our website at www.chasinghermes.com or send us an email at info at chasinghermes.com To inquire about the Western mystery tradition, please visit www.western-mysteries.com